Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gannon. For the next 90 minutes, we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show, blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. You can also chat with us there. Uh, at the chat room here, blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. You can also send messages to the show on Twitter, at Go4Can. And while you're there, on Twitter, at Go4Can, give me a follow, at Go4Can. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Seattle Seahawks defensive tackle, Brandon Meebane, and, and the Seahawks now 7-1 in their last eight games, you know, playing big-time football, getting it done. On all levels right now, Seahawks, you know, I always said they're the most dangerous team out there. There's, I, I said they're a very dangerous football team. If I'm the Carolina Panthers, if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, that's not a football team I want to see in the playoffs. I just don't want to see that team. Russell Wilson now is playing some big-time football defensively. Seemingly, they're playing better as well. You look up, you know, they're second in total defense. You look up, I mean, even after that tough start, they're they're second and uh, uh, points per game. So they're holding teams down. They're not letting, te- letting teams scores. They're not letting teams get a lot of yardage on them. This is a dangerous football team. So we're going to talk to Brandon Meebane about that and talk about whether or not or how the Seahawks stack up against the Arizonas of the world, against the 14-0 Carolina Panthers of the world. So we'll talk to Brandon about that. Let's get right down to it. You know, the biggest story right now in, in, in the NFL and possibly even sports is Odell Beckham, Josh Norman. You know, those two going back and forth, those two arguing, those two, you know, <laughs> acting a fool. You know, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, Odell Beckham has, you know, his, his he, he talked about, you know, them bringing out the bat like the Panthers like to do, bring that wood. They talked about that. He talked about that was one of the reasons he felt a little provoked. He also talked about some possible gay slurs being thrown his way by Odell, by uh, Josh Norman, by Cortland Finnegan of the Carolina Panthers. And, and I and I say this. Obviously, you know, here's all. Here's the thing. We 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 look at the NFL. We look at sports. We look at football, and it's a crude game. It's a violent game, and, and you know, and it's mano y mano, man to man. And within mano y mano, man to man, obviously you want to try to get competitive advantages. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, they're gladiators. It's a gladiator sport. So you want to get competitive advantages. And one of the ways you try to get competitive advantages is trying to get into your opponent's head. Try to, to talk, trash talk to get into your opponent's head, to, to get your opponent off their game. And that's what Josh Norman, and, and that's what... Cortland Finnegan, we're doing. And here's the thing with, with, with Odell Beckham. 
You know, and I, I just think he's coming, you know, they're coming up with all these excuses to try to explain his behavior, try to explain the way he was acting. I mean, the, the penalty, you know, the, 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 the personal foul penalties, are all, you know, he hurt his football team. He was out, his, he, he lost it. He lost his mind. He lost his mind. He was distracted, and it showed. So they, they in, in essence, did their job. Cortland Finnegan and Josh Norman did their job. They they wanted to get into the heads of the head of Odell Beckham Jr., and they did it. They got in and they stayed for a good while. You know, I was I was in the car driving. I heard uh, Carl Banks of the Giants Giants Radio. He's saying, you know, he Odell Beckham needs to be benched. He needs to be benched. He he was calling for Beckham to be taken out of the football game. Tom Coughlin obviously felt otherwise, like, hey, I'm fighting for my job. We're fighting for our playoff lives. Odell Beckham stays in that football game. And, you know, in some respect, you could argue it turned out to be a good thing because Odell Beckham was big on that last drive that led to them tying the football game. Ultimately, the Carolina Panthers came back, got the field goal at the end, uh, Graham Cano. But, you know, he was he was big and instrumental in helping them get down the field and helping them be in position to win the football game. And, and so now, you know, Beckham is big time. He's big time. I mean, he gets it done. He's gotten it done. Big time numbers. He's electric. But I, I, I think, I mean, at the same time, you know, obviously – he can, you can get into his head. Obviously, you can do it. It, it. it showed. They got into his head, and it affected his performance. But he's a young player, second year in the league. And, and so hopefully, being a young player, he can learn from this situation. He can learn from this situation. He can become better from this situation. Now people can talk, well, you know, Maybe there was possible uh, anti-gay slurs being used, so on and so forth. And and, and I say, you know what, obviously that's not an acceptable thing, but at the same time, you know, this is the NFL. This this is football. This is, you know, like I said, this is a tough sport. So your job, your goal is to try to get into the head of your opponent. Your job, your goal is trying to get your opponent off his square. Your job, your goal is try to, to, to get your opponent uh, distracted. And that's what happened. And, and so now the Carolina Panthers, now they're 14-0, but yeah, there was a report, Ron Jaworski put a report that out earlier that Odell Beckham's suspension was going to be overturned, but it's not. It's still in play. He will not play this week against the Minnesota Vikings. So here are the football team. He hurt his football team last Sunday, and now he's hurting his football team this Sunday coming up because he's not available to play. He hurt his football team. And, you know, we can say he was distracted. We can say that, you know, they, they were doing bat, had bats. You can say they called him names, so on and so forth. But this is the NFL. And people are going to call you names. People are going to say things that you're not going to like. People are going to say things that are going to upset you. 
people are going to say things that are rude and crude. They're going to do it. So he needs to get used to it. And my thing is, if you're a guy that likes to dance around, you're a guy, you know, likes to bring attention to himself, you know, every time you're in the end zone or before games, you're doing the one-handed catches and everything, you're, you're, you're bringing a lot of attention to yourself. So you're bringing all this attention to yourself. People are going to respond to the attention. You're, you're going to get attention. Not always going to be good, but you're going to get attention from other teams, from other players. You're going to get attention. You might not like it all the time, Odell, but you're going to get it. It comes with the territory. So you can't you can't have it both ways. You can't. You cannot have it both ways. You can't have it where, okay, you know, I, I, I can be, you know, prancing and dancing around, having sparkly shoes and wild hairstyles and things of that nature. I, I, I can say all that. I can do all that. I can dance all, you know, dance and, and, and say all these things and do all these things and bring all this attention to myself. But now, <clears throat> excuse me, you got people now doing things to get you off your square, giving you attention, a different type of attention, a, a, a type of attention that got you distracted, the type of the, a, attention that got you all messed up in the head, the type of attention that led you and caused you to be a player that was distracted, a player that was dropping passes, a player that was, you know, hurting his team with personal foul penalties, a player that hurt his team this game and the game after that. I mean, and this is the giant season. They need help. But if they win, if they uh, – if they can win and get some help, maybe they can win the NFC East. The NFC East is there for the taking. It's there for the taking. But at the end of the day, not having Odell Beckham is huge. It's huge. Not having him. Not having him 100% this week, last week I should say mentally, and now not having him 100% mentally and physically because he ain't going to be there. This week against the Minnesota Vikings hurts bad, huge, tough. So hopefully Odell Beckham learned a lesson. And, you know, now the the NFL has, has banned foreign objects from coming onto the field. I mean, come on. I, I, don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. was really threatened by the baseball bats. Ain't nobody going to be hitting anybody on the ba- with baseball bats. That's not happening. I, I, I don't think that really bothered him. I mean, is, is it, you know, there there are videos out there. I mean, they, they apparently, you know, that this these guys question his manhood and, you know, maybe even question his sexuality as well. And, you know, I, like I said, you're always going to try to come up with some kind of competitive advantage. Do, do I think this is really that big of a deal? No, not really. I mean, obviously, Odell Beckham's reaction in terms of going after Josh Norman the way he did, that was a big deal. And, you know, having a bunch of other 
issues along the way during that particular football game. Those are big deals. But in terms of of the trash talking, not that big of a deal. Comes into territory. In, in terms of of that, that that's that's something that's really not that big of a deal. It's really not. But in terms of you know the the Odell Beckham took it too far. He he took it too far. He just took it a step too far. And like I said, and and and. You know, again, I'm not questioning Odell Beckham Jr.'s sexuality. I really don't care. But I will say this, and I'll just add this. Sometimes when, when, when people say some things about you that, you know, maybe you don't want people to know about or, or, or say some things about you that really hit home, you react in a way, in a, in, in a different type of way. You You react sometimes in a volatile way because maybe on some level you believe there's a level of truth to what they're saying. Maybe. Again, I'm not questioning Odell Beckham Jr.'s sexuality. I don't care. But I just know how people react when you start say certain things to them, and sometimes those certain things cut deep to an individual and cause an individual to react in a negative way. And Odell Beckham Jr. reacted in a negative way. Odell Beckham Jr. caused his team... Last week, because he was mentally not there, and, and caused this team, and, and could cause this team this week to lose a football game. He came out with a statement today. Odell Beckham said, "I appeal my suspension because it's the right, because it is a right granted to all players under the NFL CBA, and because I owe it to my teammates to do everything I can to be on the field this week, regardless of the outcome of my appeal. I apologize for my actions Saturday, Sunday. I work hard to be great and accepting the blessing of having the physical skills to play at this level." brings the responsibility to conduct myself in a certain way on and off the field. Sportsmanship and respecting the game are as important as blocking, running routes, catching the football. I dropped the ball on sportsmanship on Sunday. I apologize to my teammates, the Giants organization, and all the fans of the NFL. Probably something you should have came out earlier with. Probably something you should have came out on, what, Monday? Monday you probably should have came out with something related to this. And in actuality, I mean, fans will get over it. You know, they'll get over it. NFL, they'll get over it because people will forget about it. But there's teammates. And maybe somebody from that football team should have checked him during the game. Maybe Peyton, uh, Eli Manning could have checked him. You know, some of the leaders of this football team should have checked him. He should have got checked because he just lost it. And he could, his actions... Just, he lost it. And it's unacceptable for him in that particular situation with what's on the line in that particular football game, with you fighting for your playoff lives, with you trying to win the NFC East, you're going off and you're, you're being ridiculous. You're, 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 you forgot about the team. This was selfish on Odell Beckham's part. This became about Odell Beckham and not about the New York Giants. This became about his one-on-one battle with Josh Norman and not his teammates. It, it, and, and he needs to, he apologized to the Giants, and that's his teammates. That's who this man needs to apologize to. Because at the end of the day, you called, and I keep reiterating it, but you caused your team to lose a football game. 
on some level because you're dropping balls left and right, and, and you know, you're, you're having penalties left and right. So you cost your team a football game on some level. It may cost your team another football game, so two football games possibly, because you wanted to, to, to handle your business. You wanted it to be about your battle with Josh Norman. It was about you against Josh Norman instead, instead of being about the Giants versus the Carolina Panthers. So, yeah, you're right, Odell. You, you owe your teammates an apology. And you most definitely, you know, may have caused, may have affected and caused your New York Giants to stay home for the playoffs, possibly. I mean, not directly, but maybe, yeah, definitely, because he's a big-time playmaker. He was a big-time playmaker. And, and and, you know, another thing that's bothering me on some level is, is, you know, you got people uh, now trying to, to... kind of explain his actions, and, you know, trying to almost on some respect, almost on some respect trying to, you know, pass, try to give him a pass. They're trying to give him a pass. And three three personal foul penalties, 45 yards, three personal foul penalties? And Tom Coughlin said to depict this as Odell Beckham being wrong, and the only one who's wrong, it's not right, it's not fair, it's not justice, it's not the way it was. If you're naive enough to think that way, then you better do some soul-searching yourself. And I think, you know, I think that's Tom Coughlin trying to support Odell Beckham, trying to, you know, be be there for his guy, for his player. But at the same time, I think that's almost giving Odell Beckham an excuse for the way he behaved. He behaved like a child. That's the way children behave. Children behave that way when when people call them various names. Mature people take the names and keep it going. Mature people deal with people deal with what what people say. It goes in that one ear and it leaves the other, and they keep it moving. So I don't think I mean Josh Norman did what any player would do. They were trash talking. I mean, maybe they could have dapped it up, hugged it up at the end of the football game, and it could have squashed it and moved forward. Maybe. But it got personal. Maybe it got too personal. But, I, you know, you, you hear stories of, of players on the field and some of the things being said to them. You know, some of the things that, you know, they said and some of the things said to them. And so the reality is, People saying, you know, that this is football, and I, and I think, you know, on some level, we I must look at it. If we start pulling back, you know, we want a lot of access. People want a lot of access. You know, they want people mic'd up. You know, you want to you want to you want to hear certain things and, and look at certain things, and you know, you you want access. You want access to a locker room. You want access to to on the field and people talking and things of that nature. When you start pulling back layers of the onion, you start pulling back the onion a little bit, you're going to hear some things on an NFL field that, you know, obviously is not made for corporate America. You're going to hear some things on the NFL field that you wouldn't want your children to hear. You're going to hear some things on the NFL field that's crude, rude, and, you know, just not something 
that sophisticated adults or, or people would say. But this is football. Stop it. This is football. Let's, you know, men deal with people talking trash. They move on. Men handle their business differently than children. Children react and, and you know, start throwing, you know, doing some crazy stuff. That's what children do. Men keep it moving. Odell Beckham reacted like a child. And now the NFL has punished him like a child. He's been punished. He's been sat down. Because he he needs a timeout. But I think at the end of the day, somebody should have got to him. One of his teammates should have got to him and told him and explained to him and showed him, look, dude, you're hurting your football team with three personal foul penalties. That hurts your football team. Three. Not one. Not two. We're talking about three. Three. Josh Norman's been talking trash throughout the course of this season. He's been talking trash to any and everybody. Been backing it up, too. But he's been talking trash to any and anybody. Odell Beckham Jr., he talks to. So on some level, if you're Odell Beckham, even if you're the Giants coaching staff, like, dude, get ready. You should kind of know what's going on. You should kind of know what's coming up. You know you know that he's a trash talker, Josh Norman. You know that he's going to try to get you off your game. You know he's going to try to get into your head. I mean, heck, he's talking about Roddy White. This week calls Roddy White the Falcons' fifth receiver, so he's he's continuing he's continuing uh, the trash talking. On to the next for Josh Norman. It's on to the next. On to the next, and that's what he does. That's what he does. You know, he DeAndre Hopkins from the Texans. You know, he was talking trash to him. It's, that's what he does, and so Odell, you need to get you, you should have got you should have you should have known, should have been used to it, you should have prepared yourself a little better. Let's move forward. Carolina Panthers now fourteen and zero, and they played they're prepared to play the Atlanta Falcons. They traveled to Atlanta right now. You know, I, I, we looked at their schedule a few weeks back, and we said that schedule was very very manageable. We said that schedule was a schedule that could help this team go 16 and 0. I mean, they're playing some good football. And they put they beat they you know, they thrashed the Falcons a few weeks ago. And this time it's in Atlanta. So, you know, it's in Atlanta, maybe it's a different story. And you just played them as well. But if they can get by here, then go 15 and 0, more than likely at this point more than likely they're going to be the number 1 seed in the NFC. So there there's really nothing else they're playing for at this point. You know, they're, they're not playing for much. And and so this is a football team that on some level doesn't necessarily need this football game. They don't need this football game. Their, their seeding is pretty much set. And so now they don't need this game. 
And so since they don't need this game, you're you're like, okay, do you what, what do you do at this point? Do you think about the ultimate goal? Because you know they're two games up on Arizona, but if you know if they lose out, you know Arizona could possibly catch them for the number one seed. But do you start sitting guys? Do you start kind of taking the 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 pedal off the gas? And I, and you know obviously they got to win one more game because Arizona's there. But or they just need Arizona to lose one or the other. But the, the reality is, you're the Carolina Panthers now. You're fourteen and zero. At some point, you have to think about what is more important: is is going undefeated, and, and I mean all of it's important. Obviously, winning is important, but is it is it all about going undefeated, or is it all about winning a Super Bowl? And if you think about it from that standpoint, do you almost, in some respect, let's say you go fifteen, let's say you win this week, you're fifteen and zero. Okay, you're fifteen and zero. Division all sewn up. Your number one seed in the conference, home field advantage throughout the playoffs, all sewn up. Do you sit Cam for that final game, or, or, do you go for that record, sixteen and zero? And my thing is, I think at that point, you almost have to go for the record. You got to go for the record. You're there. And and I heard, and Michael Irvin said this years ago. He said, you know what? I'll give all, I'll give back my Super Bowl rings, all of them, to get one ring in an undefeated season. To get that undefeated season in a ring, you know, he he would give it all back for that. And and so, to me, obviously that means a lot to the players. You know, you had you had the, uh, the was Indianapolis Colts a couple of years back, who kind of took the gas off the pedal, and it may have affected them in the playoffs. So you, you got it, it, it's, it's a delicate balance because you want to keep that momentum, you want to keep pushing, you want to keep going, and you want to have success. And you want to keep that chemistry going. You want to keep everything flowing. Don't mess with it. If it's good, don't mess with it. But at the same time, it's about winning a Super Bowl. It's all about winning a Super Bowl too. But also at the same time, obviously winning a Super Bowl, your name is in lights forever. But if you win a Super Bowl and also go undefeated at the same time, now your name is 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 you're immortalized. You win the Super Bowl, you're immortalized too. But this is a different different level of immortalized. This this level of of, of you know of immortalization is 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 like no other. Now we're talking about the '72 Dolphins and the 2015 Carolina Panthers. We were pretty close in terms of talking about the 2007 Patriots and that same ilk as the 72 Dolphins. We were close, but no cigar. That Giants front four had a lot to say about that. Eli Manning, David Tyree had some things to say about that as well. But I think at the end of the day, you know, I know what's, I know what's at stake in terms of you never know what, ha- what can happen in terms of injuries and things of that nature. But you still got to win one more game. Be, especially if Arizona wins. But if, actually, you just have to win one more game or have Arizona lose. Reality is. But if Arizona continues to win and you lose your final two games, well, maybe Arizona can overtake you. So you have to keep winning. And your goal is to keep this thing moving, keep this train moving, keep it going. That's what you have to do. So in order for that to happen, you got to win this week or Arizona has to lose. But at the end of the day, 
if you want to be immortalized and get that Super Bowl ring, put it all together, you know, you're immortalized. You're there forever. People will be talking about you forever. Cam be talking about him. Go, you know, Riverboat Ron, all those boys. Josh Norman, we'll be talking about these boys forever. We're going to talk about forever they win the Super Bowl, but if they win it and go undefeated, we talk about forever, ever, ever, ever. So it's it's a, it's a situation now. Carolina Panthers, they have history in front of them, and they should go for it. Go for it. You know, and you look at even you look back um, back in the 2007 season where the Giants played the Patriots that final week of the season. Game meant nothing to the Giants. They were their playoff seed was already settled. Everything was already set. And some people said, you know, maybe they need to sit down Eli and you know sit down some of their starters. But Tom Coughlin went for it, and, and that by going for it in that situation and playing them hard playing them tough and almost beating them in that particular football game, that gave Giants confidence the second time around when they saw them in the Super Bowl. So when they saw the the, Carolina, the the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl, they had a lot of confidence because of the way they played them in the regular season. So that, by Tom Coughlin going for it and going for that victory and, and, and trying to, to win that particular football game, that helped springboard that team, you know, as they went throughout the playoffs and also helped them and gave them confidence that they played the Patriots in that Super Bowl, and ultimately they overtook the Patriots. Who knows? If they don't play the game with their starters in that particular – if they don't play their starters in that particular football game, maybe they don't beat the Patriots that second time around. Maybe they don't have the confidence that they can beat the Patriots a sec, you know, that, that in the Super Bowl. So it, it worked well for Conflin then, and, and I think Riverboat Ron, who's a gambler, has to keep gambling. You know, he's got to keep going. 16-0 is in front of you. That's impressive. That's big time. That's immortalized. Do it. Keep pushing. I hope they get it. And you, you, you should know me long enough to know that I love history. And I love when, when, when teams make history. I love it. I love the, the Warriors were going for that record, that undefeated record, that Los Angeles Lakers 33 win streak, 33 game win streak record. I loved that they were going for it. I loved it. I wanted them to get it. Milwaukee Bucks had something else, to say, had something to say in that particular game, and it didn't happen. Milwaukee Bucks stepped up in that game, and it didn't help that they went into, what double overtime against the Celtics the night before, and they had a back to back final game of a road trip, and you know they couldn't get it done. But you look at that situation, that 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 record. I hope I was hoping, wishing that the Golden State Warriors could get that. And then you look at uh, you look at this. You look at the Patriots back in 2007. I was hoping they would get 16 and 0. I was hoping they would go 16 and 0. I mean, they got 16. I was hoping they would win the Super Bowl. I hate the Giants, by the way. Full disclosure. But I was hoping that the Patriots would get that record. I was hoping for it. I was hoping they can go undefeated, complete the perfect season. Couldn't do it. Now we really don't remember that team much. So I was hoping they could get it done. I was hoping that, what, the 2012 Miami Heat, you know, had that 27-game win streak. I was hoping they would get to 33. Didn't happen. But if you know me well enough, you know I love history. And, you know, even no matter the team, I'm not a big Patriots fan, but I was hoping they would get it. I'm not a big Carolina Panthers fan, but I'm hoping they go get it. They get this record. I'm not a Golden State Warriors fan. I hope they go get it, though. I really do. I wanted them to get it, but it didn't happen. And I want to go to the NBA for a moment. 
You know, we, we, we look at the Golden State Warriors. And the Golden State Warriors, obviously, big time. You know, started the season 24-0, you know, just playing some big-time basketball. But I, I look up, right? I, I'm looking at the NBA standings. And, you know, obviously the Golden State Warriors, you know, they play big-time basketball, been playing big-time basketball throughout the course of this season. 96% winning percentage. I mean, come on. 96% winning percentage. I mean, that's crazy. 96.3.963 winning percentage. That's absolutely ridiculous after 27 games. But I looked down the standings. Guess who's three games behind the Golden State Warriors? Guess who is still, uh, guess who's playing big-time basketball? Guess who's 16-0 and at home? The San Antonio Spurs. The San Antonio Spurs. We we you know we we talk we've been talking about the Warriors 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 we're we're talking about you know twenty four and 33 game win streak where you know Steph Curry Clay Thompson you know uh, the, the the Splash Brothers and Draymond Green and <clears throat> Luke Walton not winning a game you know officially of course but getting Coach of the Month we we talked about all those things all of it and. In the midst of talking about all those things, we forgot about the San Antonio Spurs. We forgot about the three and the 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 the, the twenty-four and five San Antonio Spurs. The Tim Duncan, Lamarcus Aldridge, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, San Antonio Spurs. We forgot about them. We forgot about them. We forgot about a team that made that big free agent splash in the offseason with LaMarcus Aldridge. We forgot about him. This team easily can get to the NBA Finals over the Golden State Warriors. But we forgot about him. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I forgot about him too. And then one day... I'm looking at the standings, and lo and behold, the San Antonio Spurs are 24 and 5. 82% winning percentage. Only three games back of the Golden State Warriors. Three games. OKC is still, OKC is seven and a half games back, but they're still there. They're still there. And as, as you go down the, the, the whole Western Conference standings, Clippers only three games over 500, Dallas two games over 500, Memphis two games over 500, Houston a game over 500, and then Utah two games under 500 but hold the eighth spot in the Western Conference. And that's something you don't see in the Western Conference. You haven't seen over the years. Conversely, you look at the East, and everybody's over 500. Balance of power shifted a little bit? I don't know. I don't know. Because I look at the top three teams in the East, and I look at the top three teams in the West, and that top three teams in the West trump the top three teams in the East. Golden State, San Antonio, and OKC, Cleveland, Toronto, Atlanta, no, I don't really think it's even that close. But I know one thing. I close my eyes 
And I closed, we, we we closed our eyes for 20, 20, 24, 25 plus games. We wake up. We wake up. Guess who's right there three games behind? The San Antonio stinking Spurs. They don't go away. They don't go away. You that that's a team that doesn't go away. You know, that's a team that's just, you know, they epitomize excellence. Pop, Duncan, Manu, Tony, Kawhi, LaMarcus Aldridge now. This team epitomizes excellence. Pop, second best coach in his era. Behind Tim, uh, behind uh, Phil Jackson, and I look at, and, and, and I, I'm, if I'm Golden State, and you wonder now, is it, it? It's almost like it's similar to the position that the Carolina Panthers are in, from this standpoint. Even so, San Antonio is three games back. You could argue they're in a better position from the standpoint that guys are getting rested. Guys are getting rested. Guys are, are, are you know, they're rested. They're getting a rest. Duncan is resting. You know, Park, they are, they're resting. So they're going to they're, they're gonna be fresh to death in these playoffs, ready. Conversely, Golden State, you know, going for it. Balls to the wall, going for it. Going for it, big time. Going for these records. Things of that nature. And I don't blame them. But at the end of the day, even after going off through all these records and whatnot, it's a long grind. And, you know, you want to be as fresh as possible when these playoffs roll around. And in reality, guess who could be fresh? Or it's going to be the fresher basketball team come playoff time could be the San Antonio Spurs. And so, even as beautiful and as great as Golden State has been thus far this season, San Antonio Spurs are still right there in the mix and are still a team that you have to contend with, a team that that's going to be reckoned. Uh, you got to be reckoned a team that can still get to the NBA Finals, a team that, as far as I'm concerned, they can beat the Golden State Warriors in a seven-game series. No doubt in my mind. They can beat them. Golden State was fortunate to avoid them. They can beat the Warriors. And so I, I say to all that to say, we forgot about the Spurs. And, you know, don't forget, because this basketball team is right there waiting and who knows what could happen. Let's go back to the NFL now. Philadelphia Eagles, Washington Redskins. We go to the NFC East. And you look at the NFC East, and it's dreadful. You know, it's a, it's a dreadful division. Redskins are 7-7. Seven seven. They play the Philadelphia Eagles on Saturday night in a big-time football game. Redskins win. They win the division. No one 
not many had the Redskins winning the NFCs at the start of the year. It was either Philadelphia or it was the Cowboys that you got. But that would that would seem to be the consensus pick. Philly or Dallas. Not the Washington Redskins. But the Redskins with the play that they've gotten from Kirk Cousins and what he has done to put them in this position. Again, I, you know, I wasn't – here's the thing. We had Kirk Cousins on here on this show after his rookie season. And one thing I can say about Kirk Cousins is that, you know, he didn't lack for confidence. He was a confident guy. He he had a lot of confidence in what he brought to the table, a lot of confidence in, in the belief that he's a, a good quarterback in this league. And, you know, he's been solid over the past few weeks. He's really been picking it up, really been making the plays. He's been solid throughout the course of this year. You know, you get Deshaun Jackson back, and, you know, his numbers, Deshaun Jackson helps. You know, contrary to what you may have heard, contrary to to Chip Kelly just giving him away for absolutely, positively nothing, for a bag of chips, pretty much nothing. Game away. This guy can affect a football game. Now, he could be a cap casualty at the end of the year, but he can affect football games. And, you know, him having him back has helped Cousins over the past few weeks. He's a game changer. He's a guy that you have to account for. His playmaking ability, his ability to stretch the field, you have to account for that. And so that opens up for a lot of people. But, you know, Kirk Cousins is playing some good football. You know, a four-touchdown performance against the Buffalo Bills. You know, a big-time four-touchdown performance against the Bills. In that game, you know, they, they finally went on the road against the Bears. You know, he made some plays in that particular football game, even early in the year, you know, against the Philadelphia Eagles where he led his team down the field in a big-time victory. And one of the reasons this team is is, is primed and poised to possibly win the NFC East it's because of him and his performance and him leading that team down the field and getting that victory against the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, so he's put his team in position. You know, that big comeback against Tampa Bay where they were down big early, and he made that big-time comeback, made some big-time plays, and put his team in position to win. So Kirk Cousins has, has played well and has picked a great time to play well as he will be a free agent at the end of the season. So the Redskins have to make a choice. And it seems like they are married to Kirk Cousins. Now, do I say Kirk Cousins is an elite quarterback? Obviously, no. Is he a quarterback that you can win a Super Bowl with? I would say at this time, no. Is he a pro- I would say no. But doesn't mean he can't. doesn't mean he can't grow into that. But I would say at this point in time, no. But Kirk Cousins has been big time. And now the Redskins are in position to beat the Philadelphia Eagles, who, you know, they had some – the Philadelphia Eagles had some good performances, you know, back-to-back good performance against the Bills, against the New England Patriots. That game against the New England Patriots, fluky, no doubt. I mean, block punt uh, for a touchdown, punt return for a touchdown, a pick six for a touchdown. So that was fluky, uh, fluky of all fluky flukes. But, again, you win, you know, any any, any given Sunday, anything can happen. But I look at that game, and that was a game that, you know, obviously they get they got the victory, but I wasn't impressed. Come back the following week against the Buffalo Bills. Seems like the Bills at this point have mailed it in. They're mailed it in at this point. And so 
You know, they beat the Bills. Philadelphia, they do. And and now, you know, they're riding high. You know, people are saying, hey, Sam Bradford's playing better. You know, maybe Sam Bradford is the quarterback of the future for the Philadelphia, or at least the quarterback for the, the, the next couple years. And then he comes back this week against Arizona. And, and I think the Eagles got put back in the rightful place. You know, Arizona's a big-time football team. And the Philadelphia Eagles are not on the level of the Arizona Cardinals. And last week proved it. The Arizona Cardinals showed the Seattle, showed the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, this is what it's like to be a big-time football team. You know, we're a 12-win football team for a reason. And, and you guys are not. You guys are a six-win team for a reason at this point of the season. We're a 12-win or a 12-win team at this point of the season for a reason. And, and so you look, you, you look at the whole situation. You look at, at the Philadelphia Eagles. You look at the Washington Redskins. The Washington Redskins obviously are beat, beat, beatable. They're very beatable. They're not unbeatable. You look at the Washington Redskins. I mean, they only won one game on the road. Kirk Cousins is a totally different man on the road, and in comparison to home. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. The Philadelphia Eagles, they win this week. And, win, and I said last week's game, when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles, meant absolutely positively nothing. Really. And in the grand scheme of things, if you're talking about it's not going to change their position. It wasn't going to change their position. The Eagles, Redskins, or Giants, whoever won the NFC East, is locked into that fourth spot. They're not getting over Green Bay or Arizona. So they're locked into that fourth spot. So, to me, the Philadelphia Eagles season was a two-game season. And I said that a couple weeks ago. It's a two-game season. It's a two-game season at this point. Redskins, Giants, you win both of those games against two teams that are very, very beatable. But, obviously, you know, you got the Redskins at home and you got Giants on the road. But there's two very beatable games, beatable teams. Redskins team that you, you know, almost beat and they beat you at the wire. And the Giants team you blew out. So, it's not out of the realm of possibility as bad as the Philadelphia Eagles have been, as bad as DeMarco Murray has been. You know, Sam Bradford was bad early on, starting to pick it up a little bit now. Obviously, there's nothing on the outside in terms of your wide receivers. Decent slot guy in Jordan Matthews, but your outsides stink. They stink. You know, you're running back by committee, Matthews, Murray, Sproles, was ineffective against the Arizona Cardinals. But obviously, DeMarco Murray and all the money that you gave him has not panned out. It's not worked out, and it's 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 it's, it's an indictment on Chip Kelly, the general manager, the general manager Chip Kelly, who decided that LeSean McCoy, you know, we wanted to to get three players for his eleven million dollars salary. Sounds good, but it's a little bit of fiction that. You know, who's to say LaShawn McCoy would not have restructured his deal? Who's to say? Who's to say they could not have extended him and kind of spread out his money a little bit? You know, they they could have done something. Now you're stuck with a player in DeMarco Murray who doesn't fit what you do. And isn't that odd? You're the GM. This is your system. You know, You should know what fits your system and what doesn't fit your system. You should know whether or not DeMarco Murray fits your system. You should know. Or was it a reaction, a knee-jerk reaction when Frank Gore decided that he didn't want to sign here anymore? And it wasn't a knee-jerk reaction for you to try to make 
I guess, a splash move. It wasn't. It, it obviously was a move that you, you question whether it was thought out or not. I mean, you, you, you're talking about well, LaShawn makes more, too much money, but Demarco Murray makes a bunch of money, what, eight million dollars. So you're you're worried about LaShawn's eleven mil, and you're bringing in Demarco Murray for a bunch of money. That doesn't make sense. When LaShawn, in my opinion, is the better back, it doesn't make sense. When my when I when you look at the way your system is set up. It doesn't work for your system. It doesn't. And next year, DeMarco Murray is scheduled to make $8 million. Eight mil. Eight mil. And that's a $13 million. He's got a $13 million cap head. $13 mil. So he's going to be tough to get rid of. And so now it's almost like the Philadelphia Eagles might be stuck with DeMarco Murray. They're stuck with him. They're stuck with a guy who does not fit what they do. They're stuck with a player who is his is worthless and useless in this Chip Kelly system. They're stu- probably stuck with this dude. Stuck. If they release DeMarco Murray after the season, $13 million cap hit. In 2016 and five million in 2017. Nobody. I don't think any, you're not going to find anybody that's going to trade for that. In reality, you give all this money to a running back, and which no one is necessarily doing anymore. They're not giving backs. They're not drafting running backs early, and they're not giving them big time money. It becomes cheaper to keep them. Because if they get rid of him, $13 million cap hit, if they keep him, he counts $8 million against the cap. So this move looks worse and worse and worse by the day. Oh, by the way, that young linebacker that you traded Shady McCoy for, Kiko Alonso, he's been dreadful as well been hurt, and when he's on the field, has looked lost. Looked lost. And so, you reworked this football team, and in the process of reworking this football team, you you broke down a 10-win team and, and made it what we see now. I'm not saying, well, obviously Nick Foles, he was the St. Louis Rams, and he's been dreadful. Been dreadful. Benched. Case Keenum, 
has taken his spot. Think about that. Let that let that get to your spirit a little bit. But he's struggling, Kiko Alonso. He's not getting it done. And again, he's coming off a big time injury, and that was what people were saying when Eagles made the trade. I know he had a big time rookie season, but he's coming off a major knee injury and he got hurt again this year. He's been awful. For the Philadelphia Eagles. Awful. And you gave up a back like LaShawn McCoy, who led the league in rushing in your system. You give up a guy in Deshaun Jackson who can knock you out of playoffs for the second year in a row, tomorrow. Excuse me, Saturday. You get rid of him. You get nothing back. So, Chip Kelly, the GM, has some explaining to do. I would personally be done with Chip Kelly. I'm over the system. I have my doubts. I took the wait-and-see approach. Even when it came to the system, when he first came into the league. And he moves in the offseason. I had a lot of doubts. Maybe this guy's a genius. Maybe he's smart. Maybe he knows more. Maybe he's the smartest man in the room. It's hard to understand the smartest man in the room. It, it, it Maybe he's just one of those guys hard to understand the thinkings of a smart man. It's it's hard to understand where he's going. It, it's hard to understand the genius. So maybe I thought he was a genius. Maybe he was a genius. And I said, okay, maybe this genius knows what he's doing. Because after all, Kiko Alonso did have a big-time rookie season. After all. DeMarco Murray did lead the league in rushing last season. So maybe he knew what he was doing. Just maybe. After all, Sam Bradford was a number one pick in the NFL draft a few years ago. Maybe he needed a change of scenery. Maybe he needed some weapons. And he came into this situation, no weapons. I mean, no no receiving weapons. I mean, uh, Riley Cooper stinks. And that's another, you know, Chip Kelly move. You you bring in a you you got Riley Cooper, who you signed to a five year twenty five million dollar contract. My goodness, you know that, that that think about that. Mull that over. Mull that over. I mean, you gave Riley Cooper five years twenty five million dollars. He stinks. He stinks. Twenty one catches, three hundred and twenty seven yards. Think about that. He stinks. And I don't understand who, who who was in their right mind going to give a guy who had a situation, you know, N-word this, N-word that on the video. You hold all the – I thought you had to leverage. You had leverage in that particular situation. And obviously, that didn't matter to you. You still gave him that kind of money. That mean because he's a great uh, blocker. You you like the way he blocks, but you gave all that money to racist Riley Cooper. Forget the racist part, but the way he did act on that video was that of a raving racist. I'm sorry, but anyway, that's not important. It is important because it's not a good thing, but not all that important. You have you, you brought in Miles Austin. 
and he finally got rid of him. He was a, a you know dropping passes left and right. Jordan Matthews has picked it up over the past few weeks. He was a he was a dropper as well. But at the end of the day, and, and you know we could say Nick Foles is not doing good at St. Louis, but I know Nick Foles did do good in this off did well in this Philadelphia Eagles offense, this Chip Kelly offense. He did very well. Very well. And, you know, made a lot of plays. A lot of plays. For this Eagle football team, went 6-2 and two before he went down for injury last season. And then had that 27-2. and two, And then with that 27-2, and two, got the Philadelphia Eagles to the playoffs and was maybe a player or two away or, you know, stop from the defense away from winning a playoff game. But, I, 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 you know, Chip Kelly deserves to go for what happened with this Philadelphia Eagles team. And maybe you have a little patience and give him a chance to, you know, figure this thing out. But he broke down a team that some believe were a couple players away from being a Super Bowl contender. I mean, you gave up Jeremy Macklin, who had a well, you know, the past two years, your first year, Deshaun Jackson put up huge numbers in your system, career-high numbers for him. Second year, Jeremy Macklin puts up huge numbers in your system. Huge numbers. And you don't resign Macklin, and you give Deshaun Jackson away. Give him away. Jeremy Macklin... Is an upgrade. He's on his way to a thousand yard season. Might even end up with ninety catches, thousand plus yards, and maybe eight touchdowns. He has six touchdowns at this point. So he he's probably going to be. He, you gave away a thousand yard receiver. You didn't resign a thousand yard receiver. And in your system is where he had the biggest numbers: eighty five catches, thirteen hundred yards, and ten touchdowns. In your system. He put up big-time numbers. Deshaun Jackson put up big-time numbers in your system. 82, 13-32, in nine touchdowns. Career-high numbers for him and big-time numbers in your system. And you, Chip Kelly, smartest man in the room, Gave him away for nothing. Nothing. Nothing back. And he had a career year in your system. Never caught more than 62 balls in his career in a season. He caught 20 more. 62 was his high number. Did it back-to-back seasons, 2008-2009. He gets on your system 20 more additional catches, surpasses his, his, his highest yards, highest mark in terms of yardage by about 200 yards, and he has the nine touchdowns. And you give him away for nothing. Tomorrow, just like last year, Chip Kelly, you might get your comeuppance. 
because Deshaun Jackson's on the other side. And you're a little banged up in that secondary. Deshaun Jackson might kick you out the playoffs one more time. Might keep you home for the holidays. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. right now in this half hour we're going to be joined by Seattle Seahawks defensive tackle Brandon Mebane the Seattle Seahawks clinched the playoff first the Seattle Seahawks is probably going to play when it's all said and done either Philadelphia New York or Washington in the playoffs that means probably a victory for the Seattle Seahawks but they're going to have to do something differently this year usually the past two years It's went through Seattle. Now, now, who knows? You got to go on the road. Maybe through Arizona, maybe Arizona. Who you had a fourth quarter lead against and lost it. You were there. You could have won that football game. And then Carolina, fourth quarter lead, lost that football game as well. So Seattle's tough. You don't want to see the Seattle Seahawks in the playoffs. You don't. Russell Wilson has ascended now from game manager to game changer. 29 touchdowns. Five straight games of three touchdowns or more without interceptions. Just big time. His ascension. Got the big big contract and is ascending and putting up big-time numbers, big-time numbers. So Seattle, and defensively they're picking it up as well. So Seattle's there, they're tough, and that's not a team you want to see come playoff time. You just don't want to see it. We're going to bring in Brandon Mebane. Let's bring him in now, Seahawks defensive tackle, Brandon Mebane. Brandon, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. All right, already. And Brandon, big victory against the Browns, thirty to thirteen. You clinch a playoff berth. Russell Wilson was big time. Your defense was big time. Talk about the performance right. against the Browns. Uh, you know, the Browns, it was, pretty much what they tried to do was try to throw a lot of gimmick plays, that is a lot of screens, try to you know make us make us run lateral and do like you know little little things like that to try to like get us. Uh, get us pretty much out of our games, pretty much some things that, you know, a lot of teams don't really do, but we pretty much have seen everything. So that, that, that has been thrown at us. So that's one of the things that we, you know, we haven't seen a lot was, you know, our screens and things like that. But, you know, we, I think we handled it pretty good, pretty well. So a- after that first drive, I mean, they scored in that first drive and, and almost to your point, you, it's almost like you guys figured them out from there. Right, right, right. Well, you know, Coming to the game, you know, we looking at their record, you know, they got a what a three and eleven record, a three and ten record. We we didn't really pay attention to that. You know, they're they're an NFL team. They got great uh pros over there and um you know, they did some things that was different that we was unfamiliar with, which 
in, in essence, it's, it's, it's okay, though. You know, it's, it's, it's okay, you know. You know, sometimes you don't even want a team to come out and score on you like that, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's okay. You know, as long as you settle down and make adjustments, it's, 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 it's fine. Right, you guys woke up, and they only scored six points after that, so your defense was big time on Sunday. And Brandon, Pete Carroll pointed out a play that you made in the game where you ran 30 yards to tackle Browns running back Duke Johnson. Tell us about that. Well, I mean, it was one of those plays, you know, it was a, it was a screen play. Um, just one of the things, we, you know, we just pride ourselves on is uh, just, just running to the ball, you know, all – Everybody on the defense, all 11, you know, just just run to the ball. And uh, just somehow it would just, you know, Rube slowed him down. And just somehow, you know, I was right there to, you know, make the tackle. You know, just made the tackle. Just pretty much just doing my job. <laughs> okay. How tired were you after that play? Were you good? Uh, I was okay. I was okay. Right. But if I, if I I couldn't do do something like that three, four times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Coming into the game now, you have Browns coach Mike Penton say that Russell Wilson was not an elite quarterback. He was in the second tier behind the Bradys and the Aaron Rodgers of the world. Right. Do you think that right. inspired Russell Wilson? Well, I mean, Russell really don't pay attention to all that stuff like that. You know, everybody has their own opinion about, you know, uh, you know, players in the NFL. You know, sometimes they think you're a first-round draft pick. Some teams think you're a a fifth round draft pick, man. I mean, really, at the end of the day, it really don't even matter what round you go in or you know what what people think. As long as you perform and play the best of your uh, ability, it, you know, all that stuff is like you know it is what it is. We're talking to Seahawks defensive tackle Brandon Meebane, and and Brandon Russell Wilson has been big time five straight games right. or three touchdowns or more with no picks. He has twenty nine right. total touchdowns this season. He still has two games to play. He has been the back-to-back Super Bowls, but do you feel like this is the best you've seen out of Russell Wilson? Uh, I just, I think, I think Russell is 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 maturing. He's he's pretty much he's getting better, and you know a lot of people don't know like this is this is only his fourth year, so you know he's still getting better. You know, and he's getting better and better, and you know, he, he like I said, I get to everybody, man. He got he got the glow, man, like the. Like the last dragon, Bruce Leroy, <laughs> and that that glow is big time, man. It's a big time glow, and he's playing some big time football. Is it the massages? Right. I mean, I know he's getting a lot of massages. Is it that? I don't know what it is, man, but he got it. <laughs> I can tell you, man. He got it going, man. For sure, and he's got it going. You guys got it going. I mean, you started out zero and two. Then at one point you right. were two and four. You're seven and one right. over the last eight games. What's the reason right. for the turnaround? Uh, I think I think we just you know we just we 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 found out you know who we are as a team. You know, last year is a, it's a different team. You know, 2013 was a different team, and you know every year you know you you come together. Uh, it's, it's just a different team, and I think we just we just found you know what where we're strong at, what we're good at, and. Uh, we just focusing on focus in on that, and you know we just put put it together. And I look at you guys defensively. I mean, earlier in the season you had some struggles. You were losing some fourth quarter leads. Even with all those struggles early on, I look up. You're second in points per game. What's the reason for the right. turnaround on defense? Um, I just think we we 
we we we came together. Uh, we 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 honed in on some of the you know little small mistakes we was making as a whole, and um, you know we just just putting it together, man. It just just kept focusing and just kept trying to just limit our mistakes, you know, every week, every week, and uh, you know just watching the practice film, the coach, you know, been taking great care of us, and uh, you know we just just trying to limit our mistakes, and that was one of the key things that you know we're, we're just trying to do is just trying to limit our mistakes as a unit, as a whole. Was the early struggles of not having Cam Chancellor, how much did that affect the early struggles? Well, Cam Cam is a great, great, and a major part of our of our defense. He's a great player. Um, he, he does a lot in the secondary. And, you know, you know, not having him, you know, was, you know, affected us. Um, I think when he came back, man, it looked like he didn't, he didn't miss a step. He didn't miss a beat. Sure. And um, he, like I said, man, like he's one of the, the great, best, he's one of the best safeties in the NFL, especially in his position, you know. And um, you know, we got Earl back there also too. He's a, a great safety. Um, you know, just having those two back there in that in that back, man, is just is just uh, is is very very impressive. You know, it's just it's, it's just great to have him. Had those guys on your team as teammates. We're talking to Seahawks defensive tackle Brandon Meebane. And, Brandon, I want to ask you this now. I, I look, compare the defense now to the defense a couple years ago when it was at its best, the first year, the first Super Bowl year, when you guys went right. and won the Super Bowl against the Broncos. How much different is this defense than that defense a couple years ago? I mean, well, obviously, you know, it, it, it different guys, you know, and uh, – Different guys bring different things to each year, you know. You know, personnel obviously is not the same every year. Um, I mean, I, re- I really can't really compare the the, the the two. I think both of them are, you know, different in their, in their ways. And I think, you know, both of the defenses are are very good, solid defense. Um, like I said, we have you know different uh, uh, players, and and every year those you know defenses. Uh, I mean, if I was to say, I just have to say. Both of them some good, great defense. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this now. You, contract year for you. I mean, you're free right, agent right. at the end of the year. Obviously, right. during the contract year, you want to show out. You want to be big time. How do you right. think you performed thus far in 2015? I think I, I think I did uh, perform pretty well. Um, you know, uh, it's just, it's just it's just a lot to to try to focus in on and, and, and try to like put too much on your shoulders. You know, you got a contract year going on. I think the main thing you can really do is just be consistent, uh, you know, every game that you play, you know, because, man, you, you'll put a lot of stress on your on your mind, your body, man, when you're focusing in on, you know, I got to do this, I got to do this right, I got to make sure I can't make this mistake. You know, when you got a contract year, when, when really, you know, after you're guaranteed is up, every year is your contract year. Right. If you think about it in the NFL, so – I think the main thing is, you know, that 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 you know, I I came to 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 grips with is just just keep doing what I've been doing, just 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 be consistent, you know, just try to be the best in my position in the NFL, you know, just try to just keep keep putting that out there, just put, keep putting that out there. And as we said, you guys seven and one over the last eight games. I'm looking around the NFC. I see the fourteen and zero Panthers. I see a 12-win right. team in Arizona. Those two teams, you you lost to those two teams this season. But 
Do you right. feel like you guys are just as good, if not better, than those two teams? Well, you know, those those two teams is, is like, you know, those two NFL teams that got a lot of great talent. Uh, you know, we'd love to play those two teams again. And uh, uh, like I said, they both, they, they obviously, you know, both those teams beat us. Um, I think we're a better team than than we are now, and we play both of those teams. So, you know, it'll be very interesting to see and to to play those teams again. You know, now that we feel like we got uh, grips and and how we do things, and you know, like just just putting a just 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 knowing that this team and the last two years Super Bowl teams are all those teams are different and. You know, every year you have to create a new identity and pretty much know who this team is. And next year is going to be different. And next year after that is going to be different. So just as long as you know that, I think I think we'll be fine. Is this a more offensive-dominated team? I mean, in the past it's all it's been about the defense. Is this year's Seahawks a more offensive-dominated team? Um. I mean, I don't, I don't know what – I should ask you that. What, you, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, you look at – I'll say this. You look at the offense, and the offense is – it seems more prolific than years right. past. And, right. you know, in years past, it seemed like the defense – I don't want to say carrying the, the team, but the defense was a big part of what you guys did. Now you, you see – it seems like, especially early on, and, and as right. we see Russell Wilson putting up these big-time numbers – it seems like it may have shifted to a more offensive football team. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, offense has, you know, it, you know, offense is they showing out. They definitely showing out. So, for sure. you know, yeah, they showing. They 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 now they doing. They 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 got the glow. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know when. This is the thing, like when you have like a, when you play team ball, um, we rely on each other. So no matter what the situation is, or no matter you know if this group is down or that group is down, we all rely on each other, and we're all keeping just keeping faith in each other, keep building each other up, and trying to just just play football and just you know just get a ball back to each other, man, and just trying to like you know just trying to win games. For sure, for sure. We're talking to Seahawks defensive tackle, Brandon Meebane. And, Brandon, again, you guys clinched. You're in the playoffs. The last two Super Bowl runs, it went through Seattle. This time, it's going to have to go through somewhere else. I mean, you guys are going to be on the road for the playoffs, and if you want to get far, you're going to have to be on the road. How much does that change things? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, every 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 game, every game in the uh, Super Bowl game is, is on the road. So, you know, that's that's something that you really can't really like say it's an advantage. You know, it's probably an advantage to some people, but at the end of the day, football is football, and like I said, every Super Bowl game is pretty much both the teams as visitors. So, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, the playoffs is. You know, you got to win. You got you don't have to win on the road. You want to win it all. At some point in time, for sure. Yeah, right. So, so do you feel like this this team, I mean, over the years, there have been some struggles on the road, but do you feel like this team now is poised and ready to, to do what they got to do to get to the Super Bowl, and that is going on the road? Yeah, like I said, I, I think we I think we got our things together. We got this stuff going, and it's going in the right direction. But, you know, at the end of the day, 
but still got to play, you know, just one game at a time. Got to take one game at a time, one play at a time. And, you know, just just play football at the end of the day. That's all we got to do. All right. All right. Now, you know, you had the Browns this week, a, a team that you should have beaten, and you did. You got the Rams right. coming to town. It is a, a division right. game, so it's, right. you know, a little right. more. It could be. It's going to be a little tougher maybe, possibly. But it's a game that you should right. win at the end of the day. How do you guys right. avoid the letdown? Well, at the end of the day, like I, like I, like I was saying, the Rams is a good football team also. You know, they have a lot of great players on their team. Thing is, you know, we just got to play our game, and you know, once we when we play our game, you know, we're we're good, and um, you know, obviously it's, during the game it's going to be uh, adjustments going to be made, which is 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 coming, and that's one of the good things that we do. You know, we we, we make adjustments pretty well as a as a organ, as a as a staff coach staff and as players. So, you know. Um, worrying about being like a letdown, you know, that's something that we really don't focus on. We just focusing on uh just learning our opponent and and seeing what they did and uh earlier in the year we played them and seeing what they have been doing now. So that's one of the things that we just focus on. Now, I was on your website, BrandonMebay ninety two dot com and, and I saw a video right. of you doing the belly roll. what's right. the key to a successful belly roll? <laughs> you gotta have a little, gotta have a little stomach on you. Okay. Uh, you know, if you have like a little stomach on you, man, then you know you definitely see the rose when you do the when you do the when you do the uh, when you do the dance. Okay. But uh, you know, you don't have to have a stomach uh, necessarily because I got the dance from MC Hammer because you okay. know growing up MC Hammer is my favorite my favorite artist. Uh, really, the one of the only rap artists my parents uh, allowed me and my brother to listen to. So no NWA uh, during that time, <laughs> ah, man. You know, my dad worked with Easy uh, Dad in the post office, and okay. we used to get like all the posters and all the cassette tapes and CDs. And you know, moms wasn't having it, so uh, pops <laughs> ended up giving it to my cousins. And so you know, we couldn't listen to it, but we we definitely you know heard like some of the songs, you know, right on up. But you know, we just we couldn't listen to it in the room or in the house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So the belly roll came from MC Hammer. MC Hammer came from MC Hammer. MC Hammer. MC Hammer to, to to me and my brother was like the like the best just rap rapper and like dancer. You know, because it was it was kind of like he kind of took his style from got his style from like James Brown. You know, he had like a thousand people on the stage and everybody doing right. something different. You know, into like the rhythm of the song and. um you know that's what made him like uh, exciting as a as an artist because he you know he 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 did a, a big time performance on the stage and and uh, it was just like exciting to like actually see like you know how great of a uh, you know a musician he was or you know or as he is he still can dance today and um, sure. it was it was like exciting especially when you turn on like the the Grammys or the Soul Train Awards it was like man. He the only dude that's doing this. He always go last. <laughs> so I figured, you know, I'm going to watch the video a few more times, and I'm going to try it with my wife, see what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wish, yep. me, wish me luck. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, you be all right, you also, You be straight. 
Okay, all right. <laughs> You're also doing big things with the Mebane Family Foundation. Tell us about it. So the Mebane Family Foundation is basically a, a childhood literacy to where basically so if a, if a, if a child is in like a, a third grade and the child is reading like a first grade uh, reading level, so basically what we want to do is uh, get the, that child a, a one-on-one tutoring and basically okay. get their reading level back up to third grade or, or higher. And pretty much uh, from my experience, when I did uh, the, the the reading program, it was uh, Sylvan. And so uh, Sylvan okay. had helped me uh, in, in a whole lot of ways, man, with confidence. It kind of became of uh, uh, almost a... Uh, like a competition to where who can get the most certificates in a class because, you know, you you test out one section, and if you pass, you get a certificate, and they announce you in front of, you know, the the whole class, and, and you you know, it's kind of like, oh, man, I got to get the most. I got to get the most by the end of the week. And it, it became real fun, and, you know, and that's basically want to, you know, give the uh, kids that are having problems with literacy is, you know, you know, make it fun with reading is is fun for kids because you know literacy uh, is is not like a uh, it's not a poverty issue. You know, there's a lot of people that have money that children have uh, literacy uh, literacy uh, uh, problems. So basically, you know, we want to basically uh, just bring more awareness to this. Is you know, just uh, you know, read and read and read. Have kids make kids read and. You know, just understand the repetitions of of reading and reading, and um, it just you you'll see like the the confidence of the child builds so much, man. It's just it's amazing, um, you know. Because growing up for me, my classroom sizes was sometimes like thirty five, thirty kids. Um, you know, we could never take books home because of the uh, of the you know the school was afraid kids might lose the the uh, mm. class books. So you know, looking back at it. You know, it was kind of like, man, like, you know, how do we, like, actually, like, get through like that? And, you know, when you're in school, it's like, oh, cool, man, we ain't got no homework. Man, cool, man, I'm going to go home and play some video games. But, you know, looking back on it as as an adult and also as a father, you know, you kind of look at it like, man, like, you know, something needs to be done about that. You know, like, children have to to take books home because it's important – you know, uh, you know, just learning the lesson, you know, you can go in depth into, you know, figuring out, you know, how to solve problems and things like that. You know, because sometimes they yeah. just, like, copy, make copies and just give it to us and then be like, you know, it, it won't really, it, it's not really the same. And, uh, yeah, you know, and like I said, we just want to make a make awareness, bring awareness and, um you know, we definitely want to uh, start that up hopefully by this summer and uh, get that going. And, you know, we're going to start off with probably about, you know, however many kids we can actually, um, you know, afford. And, you know, we basically want to get all the kids uh, one-on-one with the teachers and want to have like a little formula kind of like go, uh, with like the Sylvan program. Okay. And we, we all know Brandon loves the kids. Oh yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. That's the future. For <laughs> sure, future president. Might have a future future president man might come out out the program. You never know. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Fans, make sure you go to brandonmebane92.com and, and support all the great things going on with Brandon Mebane. And if you want to learn how to do the belly roll, 
you can definitely go to his <laughs> website and, you know, you can do the belly roll and, you know, good things might happen for you. But let me ask you this now. Christmas, <laughs> is, around the, Christmas is around the corner. What does right. Brandon Meebane want for Christmas? Uh, you know, it's, it's to the point to where I'm, I'm – I'm 30 years old, man. It's, it's, it's nothing really too much that I don't really like. Just want one for Christmas now. Um, uh, the defensive line. We did uh, two events um, the past uh, this last yesterday and actually last Tuesday. We basically uh, had a, a group of kids and uh, took them shopping. And uh, you know, uh, the first event which we've been doing, I've been doing since my rookie year. Uh, we gave the kid each kid we got a hundred kids and each kid had a hundred dollars so they can go around towards the rest and get uh, tours for themselves. And the second event yesterday was it was like kind of like uh, middle school kids. Um, they pretty much had you know written written lists out of a couple things that they wanted for Christmas. And we had like we, we fed them and and uh, they ate. You know their parents was there and you know. Um, Gave them the gifts at the end, and we did a little dancing. We had a little DJ in there. It was a, it was a, actually a fun event. Um, Cliff Averill, um, he brought that idea from Detroit okay. here, uh, the Cliff Averill Foundation, and it was a great event, man. The food was good, man. And after we ate, man, we had a little Soul Train line going on in there, man. It was fun, man. And, uh, okay. Michael Bennett dressed up like a Santa Claus and. You know, gave the kids a gift, man, and you know, told them Merry Christmas, man, and Happy New Year, and and that was pretty much was it. All right, all right. So, so you you, you definitely well, there's not much you want for Christmas, so you're you're doing. Nah, your nah, that was that was my joy. That was my okay, joy okay. as far as like what I want for Christmas is you know just you know seeing uh, kids you know enjoy their Christmas and having their experience uh, you know when it comes to Christmas, you know, because, like I said, one day he could be a president in that group, could be a, a doctor in that group, and basically we want to, uh, you know, just let people know, like, you know, just give with a with an open heart, you know, uh, not grudgingly or not necessarily, you know. Definitely. That's that's mainly mainly what we want to, you know, want to just want to accomplish, man, to just, you know, just, you know, the giving part, you know, just to give and just keep that going. No doubt, definitely. So, so fans again, go to his website, Brandon Meebane, excuse me, ninety two dot com. That's Brandon Meebane ninety two dot com. Also, hit him up on Twitter at Meebane ninety two and support all the great things going on with Brandon Meebane. Brandon, pleasure, man. Wish right. you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again and Merry Christmas. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, take care, Brandon Meebane. Defensive tackle for the Seattle Seahawks. Dangerous Seattle Seahawks. Don't sleep on the Seattle Seahawks as we enter a couple weeks. In a couple weeks, we'll be entering the playoffs. I want to thank Brandon Meebane for stopping by. Also, want to thank uh, you as we conclude 2015 and we prepare to go into 2016 talking sports and having fun doing it. Go for it, blogtalkradio.com slash begin. Just like this and every other show, you can listen to blogtalkradio.com slash pgan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForGan. Hopefully, your 2016 will be better than your 2015, 
and hopefully you'll come on back. As we talk sports, we have fun doing it, and we have a great time. Enjoy your Christmas. Enjoy your New Year's. Make sure it's safe. safe. Make sure it's healthy. Make sure it's fun. And make sure you go for it and go for it and come on back in 2016 Talking Sports. Having fun doing it. Everybody here, go for it. See you later. Take care.